Hello, my friends, and welcome to the worldwide broadcast of the Ted and Austin Brower Show, bringing you the latest world news and health research. Hope you guys are having a terrific day today. Got a lot of news articles I've been working on all morning, a lot of health topics we're going to be covering today. So get ready for a great show. And of course, if you guys need anything, you know where to get a hold of us healthmasters.com up and running as far as the uh, old website the current one that everybody still likes at healthmasters.com be sure to check it out if you need the product of the week the n-acetylcysteine i talked about it in detail yesterday incredibly good product that helps detoxify the body it's also used very effectively against uh, basically virus infections and sort of things like that fantastic product so be sure to check it out on the website, healthmasters.com, over 10% off right now. And uh, one of the first articles I was reading this morning, this is very interesting, as there's now more actual research that's coming out that's proving the massive amount of cardiovascular damage from the COVID vaccine and the actual mechanism. A new laboratory research letter from scientists from Geising Yunus Institute of Physiology in Germany and the National Heart Laboratory in Hungary finally were able to pinpoint mechanisms of how COVID vaccines damage the heart. It was a peer-reviewed study that was published in the British Journal of Pharmacology, and the study investigated the effects of the RNA-1273, that's Moderna, and the BNT-162B2, that was a Pfizer, on the function, structure, and viability of isolated adult rat cardiomyocytes over a 72-hour period. And what's interesting, I'm going to post this article so you guys can go into the detail of it, Essentially, what they found is in the first 24 hours, they did not find any functional disturbances or abnormalities. By 48 hours, expressions of the encoded spike protein were detected and from both RNA shots. At this point in time, it induced basically issues with the heart that caused completely irregular contractions associated with irregular as well as localized calcium transients, which provide indications of significant dysfunction of the cardiac receptors. And so in conclusion on this, they demonstrated for the first time that both the shots induce specific dysfunctions that correlate to cardiomyopathy. And so the more I read through this, the more disturbing it is. And you know what's crazy about this? Here's the, here's, here's the crazy part about this. Why are we just hearing about this two and a half years after the shot rolled out? Why in the world, again, wasn't this stuff researched properly in order to get the shot out? Oh, the answer is because it was never supposed to have this information released. The shot was supposed to be taken blindly by everyone that was told to take it. This is why any type of normal vaccine, any type of drug, any type of therapy product like this that's going to be approved by the FDA usually has to spend anywhere between three to ten years in research and development and testing and clinical trials for years to see what the effects are going to be, both positive and negative, in the drug world. But again, that never happened. And that was the biggest pull, the biggest reason, the biggest way that they were able to dupe so many people because there was no significant research that was ever released to the public when the shot first came out. And now the more research we find, the worse it continually gets. And so I'll post this on the website. You guys can read through it if you want to read all the real technical stuff on it. There's a reason why all this stuff was buried. There's a reason why Pfizer fought for, what, over a year to not have any of their research released. And finally, they had a court order, and they started dumping out 50,000 pages a month, if you guys remember all that. And we kept covering it every single month it would get released. And yet, 
Nobody cared. Nobody batted an eye in most cases. Everybody just went along for the ride because they were too busy being distracted by so many other things in the media that are designed to do just that. And what's interesting, I was looking at a uh, article the other uh, yesterday, and a guy was talking about it, and he said the culture that they're building now is created specifically as distractions. That's why they have the NFL. That's why they have all the TV shows and the reality shows and the game shows and the news shows. The culture is being designed to be one giant distraction. The history is being hidden from us. The real history of actually what's happened is being dissolved. I mean, just trying to go back and look at the history of the Iraq war and 9-11, that's being tried to be you know, suppressed. That was you know, 20 years ago. Yet you do did more research and you find all the way back through the 90s and 80s and 70s and all the way back to the Civil War how manipulated the history is. The television continues to program everybody through the mainstream media. The food is continually poisoning everybody while they're telling you that it's not and that it's safe. While the government's lying to you about every single thing that happens, this is an artificial reality that they're building. And that's why the truth has to continue to prevail and when you know it, you've got to get it out there and speak freely all the time as much as possibly can. And so that's what we try to bring you guys on this show. And again, appreciate the continued support of Health Masters and getting the truth out there on a daily basis. We had some good customers coming yesterday. Unfortunately, I missed them. I was out of the office for a few hours. And Keith and Jane Nyhart from Virginia, they've been longtime customers. They've known us for years, and I uh, appreciated them coming by. They left me a um, note and left me their name. I was unable to see them as I wasn't here, but I always appreciate all the listeners and customers that continue to come into the office on a regular basis and let us see them and say hi and check out the office and meet with Ruben or Steve. Thank you again because it's really encouraging to know we have listeners and customers from all around the country that are continually standing up and have our backs and we have your backs. So thank you for that. And how are you doing, Dad? And uh, what do you think about this interesting research as far as with the heart issues and these rats with a shot? Well, we knew it was true, Austin. We talked about yep. it years. That's been years now, years ago. And we warned everybody it was a clot shot. And the, the irony is that, you know, we continue to, you know, be cutting edge as far as what we talk about on the show. And, you know, so much of the research out there right now basically is now pointing to the fact that these people that have taken these shots, uh, they're going to have a really short longevity and their life expectancy is going to drop way down. And that's why we have this spike protein survival kit on the website. I mean, and, and we and we apologize to you guys about this website, this new one that we had come up again, and that we had issues with it again. It's just we're not going to leave it up. We're going to have to. We're working on the on the glitches on it right now, but I'm not going to leave it up and not have a website that's that that you guys like. We're going to have to continue just to work on the new one. We'll probably cut it back in again in a few weeks after we've done the research on it and figured out what's going on with it. It was working fine, but there were certain glitches in it that were aggravating a lot of people, and so we're taking care of that right now as we speak. But again, our, our apologies to you for going back and forth on this. But really, unless you put a, a website under a load stress test and, you, and you're taking orders on it and everything else, it's very difficult to try to figure out how the, uh, the dynamics are going to work within the website. But we're working on it. But eventually, eventually we'll have a new one out there. Uh, but by the way, uh, you know, it's there's some interesting stuff that's going on. And, and I, I've got to say this. I mean, I, I saw that this, this morning. And I thought to myself, you know, let's take a really you know, real look right now at what's going on, you know, with Gaza. And let, let's take a look at what's really happening to us right now as far as a people and, and what we're involved in as far as this whole thing, as far as the support of Israel and Gaza. And what's the, what, and what is the, how should I say, what is the end game with this? I mean, why have they done this? You know, Gaza has been an open air 
concentration camp for years and years and years and years. And that's all it is. It's an open air concentration camp. Years ago, I, uh, I made that comment on, you know, on a Hagwood show. And I had this fellow basically contact me and he'd been a guest on the Hagman show for years. And, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to mention his name cause he's a nice guy, but you know, I find out later that he's Jewish and, you know, and I, you know, I'm okay with that. I have no problem with Jewish people. I think they're you know, amazing if they're really serving the Lord Jesus Christ, which he was and is. And all of a sudden he said basically to me that, you know, he called me up and just absolutely pretty much chewed me out because I said that Gaza was an open air concentration camp and that it had been for many, many, many decades, and that it was an absolute mess, and that, quite frankly, you know, we had to figure out you know, what to do with it because it was such a mess that it was basically you know, killing all of these Palestinians. And, and you know, in Israel, really, they've perfected the human enslavement and extermination model for Gaza. I mean, it's awful. Now they've cut off the water. They've cut off the fuel. They've cut off the food. They've cut off the electricity. They've cut off everything. And you know, is this the same model that they're going to use for us? Because, you know, Mossad's directly involved with the Rothschild banking cartel that's trying to take over the world through State Street, BlackRock, and Vanguard, through this massive enslavement of humanity. We talked about it yesterday. And it's this extermination model they've developed in Gaza and that, that Eisenhower developed with the two million soldiers he let die because he called them enemy combatants or whatever he did to get away from the Geneva Convention after World War II. Is this going to be the same model they're going to use in the 15-minute cities in which that basically everything's 15 minutes away and – Everybody has a smartphone and all their appliances are controlled by the Internet and by the international banking cartels. You can only buy this much and buy that much. Are they going to be, are these 15 minute cities going to turn into extermination camps? They're going to promote genocide and promote euthanasia. Is that what they're doing? Is this all part of the depopulation globalists in their next phase? Are they going to all do this together as far as in concert when they start putting us into these camps, into these 15 minute cities? I mean, think about it for a second. This Gaza Strip, you know, this West Bank. It's, it's a massive experiment in human enslavement and behavioral engineering. It's involved 2.3 million civilians. And now they've been dubbed, dubbed animals, and, and they're basically being systematically killed and displaced or exterminated. Is the learning they're going to gain from this going to be used against all the rest of us? And that's the question I'm asking you guys this morning. I mean, is that where they're taking this? Are they going to take us to the point where we all become Gaza? Ooh, there I asked the question, didn't I? You know, is Gaza going to be the, the marketing template, the research template? You know, of the Allies found out that the Germans did a lot of horrible experiments in the concentration camps. That's an absolute fact. They did do that with human beings. They've got the research on that. But the Allies didn't destroy the research. They continue to use it. Remember the MK Ultra program? Remember that one, right? MK? Mein Controller. It's in German. It's an MK. It's mine with an M. Mein Controller. K with a, con- a controller. It's not MC, Mind Control. It's the MK. The MK Ultra programs were just an experimentation and continuation of the extermination camps of Germany in, in which the concentration camps were used to experiment on a lot of human beings. I can't really call them extermination camps. That was a misquote. I would, that's what I've heard in the media so much. It kind of just slipped out. They were more slave labor camps that were used to basically take people and train them to make munitions for the German military that were basically you know, isolated. And then what ended up happening at these these, these, these concentration camps, the railroads and the, and the roads were bombed and Germany ran out of food and the people were starving to death and they had typhus and everything else and they killed a lot of people in those camps. And we need to realize that you know, when you put human beings into in a, in an environment like that where they don't have proper sanitation or proper water or proper food, you know, sickness and disease goes through it pretty quick. Is that, is that what's going to happen in these 15-minute cities when everybody gets their 200-square-foot apartment, you know, 10 by 20 feet? You got four people living in there you know, at, at one time. 
I remember years ago, there's a movie on. You can watch it. It's a good movie. It's called Dr. Zhivago. It's old, old, old movie. But it was a classic when it came out. I think in the 50s or the 60s. And uh, it was a, there was a song. It was a haunting song. song was called Laura's Theme. It, was in, it had Dr. Zhivago was a medical doctor in Russia. And he was in the middle of this Russian revolution. And he had this beautiful home. I believe it was in St. Petersburg. I can't remember the city. It was in, maybe in Moscow. And I remember he goes, he got drafted by the military, and they said, we're taking you, and you're going to be our core physician. If you don't want to be drafted by us, he was the communist who took him because he didn't believe in communism. Uh, we're going to kill you here on the spot. So you have a choice. You can either work for us as a physician, or we're going to kill you right now. And so he chose to work for them as a physician. But what ends up happening, he gets sent back. Finally, he gets out, and he gets sent back to his house, and he had this beautiful home. And suddenly there were like 50 families living in the house, and he had one room. He had one room, and he comes home, and he goes – who are all these people in my house? He goes, well, that's part of the government. That was, it's communism. You know, you had a big house here. You didn't need all this room. And so we moved 50 people in. And of course they were starving so bad. And the heat was so bad. They were burning their furniture for heat. I mean, it was, it was horrible. He was breaking fences apart and trying to get heat and get in trouble for all that. And it was, it was a, it was a crazy movie about what happened with the Russian revolution. And it was, and it was interesting too, because, you know, all these people were called Antifa, the anti-fascist movement, the communists that were doing this. I always got a kick out of that. You can watch it in the movie. They're called Antifa, and suddenly they pick up the same thing, Antifa, in this new protest that they've had against the United States of America when the communists come in. And I remember years ago when I told you this story. I'll tell it to you one more time for the new listeners. We had gone up to Washington, D.C., and they were having an Antifa conference, I guess, and they were protesting the neo-Nazis that were speaking there. And and I thought, wow, we happened to show up. We didn't go up there for this, but it happened to be there when we were there. And there's like five or 10,000 people show up for this, this protest against the neo-Nazis. And all of a sudden, I see the neo-Nazis walking down the street. Oh, my gosh. They're in lockstep. Man, they got the jack boots on. They got the helmets on. They're wearing face shields. They got a lead pipe, a steel pipe in their hand, and they got gloves on. They're slamming their steel pipe as they're walking. Go, oh, my gosh. Those are the neo-Nazis. And then somebody goes, well, no, those, that's, that's not the neo-Nazis. I'm like, well, who is it? They're watching it, they're marching in unison. They said, oh, that's, the, that's Antifa. I said, oh, those are the guys who are protesting the neo-Nazis, and they're wearing helmets, and they've got jackboots on, and they, they're all dressed up in black uniforms, and they've got pipes that they're slamming into their hands, and those are the guys that are here to protect us. That's the good guys. And they said, well, yeah, those are good guys. I'm like, well, they don't look like good guys. They look like bad guys. And I said, well, where are the neo-Nazis? And I said, well, they're over on the other side. They're, they're, you know, there's a group of them, and they're not letting us talk to them or listen to them. And I said, well, God, they've got to be old. I said, were they 90, 100? I mean, they got to be in wheelchairs. I mean, my gosh, they're Nazis. They're old. They got to be really, really old. And he goes, oh, no, no, no. These are the neo Nazis. I thought, wait a minute. Okay. So we got the neo Nazis. We can't see them. They're talking on the other side of this field. And then we've got the Antifa's running around. And then we started looking around us and seeing the people, the weird assortment of people that were there. And I'm going to say a few things that were probably I saw. It's going to be weird, but I'm going to say it anyhow. And may may not want to have the, have the kids just close their ears for a few seconds. But there were women walking around and guys walking around wearing vagina hats. I mean, like shaped like giant vaginas. And they were they were. It was the weirdest group of people that I've ever seen. And, and then all of a sudden, there was this Jewish lady sitting there, and she had these big signs up, and she's quoting all these New Testament verses. You know. Love thy neighbor as thyself and all the other things. And I walked up to her. I said, oh, are you, are you Christian? And she goes, oh, no, I'm Jewish. I said, and why are you quoting the New Testament? She goes, oh, this is the New Testament. I said, oh, yeah, that's the New Testament. <laughs> I said, well, yeah, she's a communist. And, I, and so I'm talking to her for a little while. And finally, that evening, we went back to the hotel, which is really close to this whole parade route. And we went in to watch the room, and they were actually playing a live videotape right there, you know, as far as what the neo-Nazis had to say. 
and I was watching the, the neo-Nazis talk and this guy shows up and he has, you know, he's dressed super conservative. He's wearing a three-piece suit with a tie, a clean cut haircut, no facial hair, uh, no swastika tattoos, no tattoos that I can see at all. And uh, he's talking about the importance of proper border security and how if we don't close the borders to all the people that are coming into the United States, we have all the sickness and disease and we're going to fracture the very fragment of our society. I mean, myself, OK, I'm kind of waiting for him to say something I don't agree with. And he goes off for like 15 minutes. And finally, I, he's, he's done. And now there are only about eight of them, by the way, in this huge protest with these eight guys that were dressed up in three-piece suits. And I thought, how odd. I said, I can't find anything I disagree with with what he said. Now, I'm not saying that everything they say I agree with. Don't, don't, don't misquote me on that. But what I'm saying, everything that they played on TV, it was all, he was all right. It was about patriotism and closed borders and, and keeping our country safe and secure from invaders from within. And I thought to myself, how odd. We got the jackboot fascists, anti Antifa or whatever they are, walking down the street with jackboots on, slamming metal pipes into their hands, looking like they're about to kill everybody. And those are the good guys. And here we have the guys in the three-piece suits talking about border control, and those are the bad guys. And I thought to myself, this is so twisted how they've taken people and they've labeled them and they've categorized them as either being good or bad. And if they're good, it doesn't matter what they do. And if it's bad, it doesn't matter what they do. They're bad. And that's this thing that we talk about, this polarization that we have here in the United States. You're a Republican. You're a Democrat. You're either good. You're either bad. And you stop and you ask yourself a question. You know, are the Republicans going to help us? Are they going to come out and help us? And then we have to stop for a second. got to back out of this. we got to say, wait a minute. We had a thousand names in Jeffrey Epstein's book of people that had basically raped little girls or had done drugs or had been with – Whatever. They've been blackmailed. All right. And, and yet they won't give us the names. And then you have to ask yourself a question. How many Republicans are on that list? How many Democrats are on the list? How many judges are on the list? And why are we not allowed to see that list of people who actually went and had sex with these young girls and did the drugs and the prostitution and all the rest that are being blackmailed by Mossad, MI6 and CIA, that are being blackmailed by Rothschilds and all the rest of these guys who run the World Health Organizations and all the rest of these guys who run you know, the World Economic Forum with Kandal Schwab and all the rest of these weirdos. Why can't we see the people who were involved with Epstein? Well, they don't want you to see the people that were involved with Epstein because the people that are voting to release the files on Epstein were probably on the list with Epstein. Just got to mention that. And so they don't want you to see that. I remember years ago I watched that one movie, The Untouchables, with Sean Connery with Kevin Costner. Really good movie. Really, really, really intense. Though don't kids watch it? I mean, you got to watch it first. A lot of graphic violence, but it, it was it was crazy because they were basically doing a trial for Al Capone, and Al Capone was basically bribing the jury, and the judge found out about that. And Kevin Costner said, "We've got to change juries." He said, "I'm not going to do that." And he goes, "Well, let me tell you this, buddy. Your name's in Al Capone's list of who he's paying off, and I'm going to release this book." And the guy's name really wasn't in the book, but he just told him that. And the judge was scared enough to think that, oh, maybe I am in the book. Maybe I did take some payoffs. So he allowed the jury to be changed. And then Al Capone basically was sentenced for income tax fraud and then basically put in jail. And his big you know, crime network kind of got closed down. But the crazy part about all of this stuff is how many other people have been like those juries were with Al Capone on that movie Untouchables. How many other people out there that we have as in a leadership role in the United States government have been compromised and therefore they will not help us. Paul Craig Roberts wrote a really good article. He says the Republicans will not help us. And he says all the difference to the Republicans and the Democrats is the Republicans are not anti-white Americans determined to turn a white nation into a Tower of Babel. Republicans don't do much to prevent the destruction of white America, but it's not the driving motivation of their politics. 
with no with no ideology or principle other than self-gain, the Republican Party is a weak force to stand against the Democrats' program of multiculturalism in order to rectify white racism. I'm going to stop for one second. I'm going to just say something completely unrelated to this. Paul Craig Roberts is an excellent writer. When I read his material, it sounds good. It sounds like – well, I'm just, that sounds kind of weird. It sounds like I wrote it, all right? Because what – what, and it's something for kids that are listening right now. We're segueing for a second. When you write a paper in college or in high school, read the paper out loud before you turn it in. You're going to find all kinds of grammatical mistakes in it, and that's what happens with me. I'm reading somebody's paper on the show live, and all of a sudden it's got the grammar goes to yuck, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, gosh. So I'm trying to correct it in my head. Paul Craig Roberts' writing is not like that. There are several other news sources that I've tried to read before, but the writing is so bad that you can't read it out loud. So this is a newsflash for you. I learned that in college when I wrote papers. Anyhow, back to, back to this again. Patriotism and campaign, donat- campaign donations of the military security complex ensure that Republicans are for all war, all wars. Not even the neoconservatives are more vociferous supporters of the war than Nikki Haley or Lindsey Graham. That's the guy, the gay guy with the purse. Marco Rubio, the gay guy who used to run the bubble bath but may be straight now. Almost every re- bubble bath with other men mentioned that. Almost every Republican in Congress subordinates America's interest and morality to Israel's demands. Even Republican presidential contender Ron DeSantis calls for Israel not to hold back in the destruction of Hamas, which of course means Palestine and orders Florida to assist Israel. So not only the federal government in Washington, but also state governments are rushing to Israel's support in this destruction of Palestine. This pandering to Israel was standard, standard procedure to the, for American politicians. DeSantis sees only Israeli deaths, not Palestinian ones. He thinks that in the past, Israel hasn't used enough force against Palestinians. DeSantis was a good governor. He stood up for the normal moral people in Florida against woke ideologies and intending to brainwash Florida's children that were white racists and born into the wrong body, and he prevented mandated COVID jabs and lockdowns and masks. If he had come out in support of Trump, this is interesting, he would have been the vice presidential nominee and future president. However, now, like Mitch McConnell and the rest of the rhinos, he's alienated the majority of the Republican voters by coming out against Trump. He is now accusing Trump of being anti-Semitic. It was Trump who broke from the world and served Israel by moving the American embassy in Israel to Jerusalem. The rhinos prevent Republicans from having principal leaders. Once Jim Jordan secured the nomination of a Speaker of the House, the rhinos quickly pushed forward a non-entity as a rival. Now the rhinos, by cooperating with Democrats, can block the election of an effective Republican leader who is principled and would try to shape the Republican Party into more of an opposition party instead of the go-along, get-along entity that it is. The Republican Party, and he's right, is an extremely weak force. The party stands aside as their president is falsely accused, which I disagree with that. Some of the key accusations are true, and prosecuted, which that should happen, as Trump appointees such as General Flynn and lawyers who defend Trump are falsely accused and indicted. Even the lawyers who are defending the falsely indicted Trump attorneys are feeling pressure. The Republican Party is doing nothing to prevent the kangaroo trials. I have no idea what they could do of a new principal president who, who – Republicans who do exist. As the Republican Party will do nothing, the problem is in the hands of the American people. If they fail to elect Trump's president in the next election, they will have committed themselves and all future Americans into tyranny or perhaps civil war. That's a good possibility, by the way, but it, it can't be done because of the election com- the election compromise and the election machines that are compromised. That's the problem here. It happened last time. The American people have been failing in their duty to protect their liberty for many years, due in part to patriotic blindness that sees enemies only abroad and never at home. 
we can have any confidence that can we can we have any confidence that Americans will wake up and proceed to the real threat, which is not Russia, China, Iran, and Hamas, and arouse themselves to the task holding onto their liberty. In other words, the real threats from within. And that's exactly what the communists said they were going to do to us. And I know Austin doesn't remember this, but I remember the news broadcast with Nikita Khrushchev said he'll make the United States fall without ever firing a shot. Now he's long dead, but the United States is coming apart at the seams. And the sad part about it is, what are we going to do about it? How are we going to fix it? Are we going to be doing other things about this? I mean, are we going to be able to, you know, get the bright political leaders in there? And this goes right back to what Austin and I have talked about so many times on the show. We laughed at Barack Obama because he was a community organizer. That's a Sal Zelensky playbook, by the way. And, and we need to realize it's that level. It's the grassroots level. That's what the Masons learned a long time ago. The Masons get into the local community and the community politics and get on their city board and county board and all the rest of this stuff. And they start manipulating behind the scenes of what they want for the Masonic buddies to be incredibly you know, wealthy and get incredible power. I've seen it in my own town here, guys. And, and it's, it's very unique the way they do this because it comes across as they're trying to help people, but they're not. They're pushing their own self-interest like the giant you know, complexes we have built all around us with you know, many warehouses and housing divisions and places going in with, you know, with no setbacks and houses upon houses stacked on top of each other where we live now, destroying the, 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 the unity of the believer and all the unity of the people in this area who basically you know, go to church here and basically have the ability to have raised their children here. They don't want to live here anymore because of what's happening from a housing standpoint. And you stop and you think about it and you go, that's what we need to do. If these guys are that smart and they've come in here at the grassroots level, that's what he said. When you go to Washington, D.C. on January the 6th and you're protesting an election that's already over with, that we know it's not going to get fixed, but we're protesting it, it was a lesson in futility. Now, I mind you, there were millions of people there. There was a lot of people there. And the leadership, the top leadership of, that, of, the, of the people all around the country, except for a couple of blowhorns that were doing all kinds of stuff, which are basically, how should I say, CIA front boys and girls, they didn't get arrested. But the vast majority of these people who got arrested, Trump should have pardoned them all, as far as I'm concerned. Just should have pardoned them all. Given a, but he didn't do that, did he? So all of this stuff is orchestrated for division. Schofield's reference Bible, orchestrated for division, to destroy the Christian churches, to stop us from saying the truth about what happened in the Old Testament, stop us from saying the truth about the end times. All of this stuff has been done and put on us to make us think that they're right and we're wrong. It's Tavistock mind conditioning program. It's like the Gaza Strip now being used as an open-air concentration camp for 20 years. Imagine the research they have in there as far as how to get people to comply and how to listen and how to shut up and be quiet and how they were using that against us now. I mean, think through this with me for a second. Now they're opening up, putting open air city, all these 15 minute cities everywhere, and everybody's got to walk or take a bicycle or drive a Tesla. They don't want you to leave. We're talking Hunger Games here, guys. You know, Austin, I've used that same comparison so many times. It's just straight Hunger Games. You have the elite scum that drink the blood, like in Hunger Games, and that are Kabbalist, Luciferian, synagogue of Satan weirdos. Remember a few years ago that naked little boy climbed out of the doggone palace there in England trying to escape? You know, grab, tied a bunch of sheets together and climbed down the wall. Do you remember all that? Trying to get away from these weirdos in the palace? You find bodies on the palace grounds and they, you get hushed up? Human sacrifice on the palace grounds? I believe all that's true. Because these people that run the planet 
are, they consider themselves the Benigni Nephilim, sons of the fallen. They've got all kinds of weird interests going on. We've talked about that so many times that they're a bunch of perverts and what they are, a bunch of sickos. So we've got to stand up at the grassroots level against these guys and get the local politics right. We got pretty much every bad person off our school board kicked off this last election. We did by protesting it, except for one person that was endorsed by our sheriff, which I love Grady Judd, but I don't think he should have endorsed this individual, but he did. And she got to stay on. But that's what we did by pushing the protests, what they did in the school systems here. But we can do the same thing globally. We do the same thing with our city commissions and county commissioners. It's all the other stuff we can have. We can run for those different seats if we need to, if you have that ability to do that in your areas and say, no, we're not going to do this anymore. We're not going to allow unbridled expansion in the area. You know, Austin and I asked a question the other day, well, last year, six months, I don't remember anymore, but we were at one of the city commission meetings. And we said, why are you allowing all this expansion? We don't want to get in a lawsuit. And my response was this. How many lawsuits have you been in? Uh, none. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I didn't know what to say, Austin. I really didn't know what to say. And I'm like, you mean we've never pushed the limit here as far as telling them what they can and can't do to the point where they file a lawsuit, which could easily be settled. We, we just, just, just go along and get along. And they didn't know what to say. But, but it's interesting when you watch this and you start seeing this, you begin to realize that when we stand with the most high God, <laughs> the creator of the universe, the great I am with Jesus, that when we realize who we are and the power that we have through Christ and we realize that we can stand against this and say no, that scares them because they don't want us saying no. They want us to go along and get along and to shut up, be mindless amoebas, be giving units. Don't be in a church that won't open their books, my friends. If you don't know what everybody's making in that church, best to go on and figure out someplace else to go. Because if they won't open their books, I guarantee you they're trying to hide something. What do you think, Austin? What's your next story? Are you there, Austin, or have I lost yes, you? Sorry, but <laughs> having a headset issue. You're 100% right about that. I've been a huge proponent of open books when it comes to churches for years. You know, a, 50, a 501c3 corporation that's, you know, uh, uh, you know, essentially a company, but it's a nonprofit, which these churches are based on. <clears throat> if you're giving them money and they're supposed to be designating these funds to, you know, um, donations to charity if they're doing stuff with, you know, outreach, if they're doing stuff with missionaries, you have a right to know where it's going if you're going to be supporting it simple fact and anybody that tells you otherwise you need to question whether or not you really want to support them or if you want to donate to them or if you want to tie to them because i've told you guys before and same thing i said the other day whenever you start having somebody in a position of authority and they start telling you you can't ask questions you can't find out what's really happening you can't question a narrative you can't simply say why is this happening why are we doing this why are we designating funds to this okay if I can't ask that question, then why am I supporting you? And the answer is you shouldn't be. It's exactly what we've run into now here in Central Florida with a lot of very compromised individuals now in some certain positions of power where they're sitting there going, oh, no, no, no. This is going to be great for the community. This is going to be great. We're going to do this. It's going to be fantastic. Everybody can just walk and bicycle everywhere. And I'm like, okay, well, where's the infrastructure being put in? Well, you know, we're not, we can't force the developers to expand the roadway or put a turning lane in. Okay, so you're telling me you're not willing to fight for anything in this community other than making sure these developers have essentially carte blanche access to strip mining the entire city out with houses, so to speak, and making millions upon millions of dollars. And you can't even force them to put a turning lane in because you don't want to deal with a possible lawsuit. I said, here's the news flash. 
developers don't like to lay things out way out in the future. They like to have a couple of year predictions on what they're going to build. They want to get it approved, and then they want to get it done and sold. They don't want to get a permit for a subdivision and plan on, oh, by the way, maybe in 10 or 15 years we can build here. They want to get it knocked out fairly early, a lot of these developers, when they're hyper-developing these subdivisions. You think they're going to go and get stuck in litigation for two, three, four, five years over a turning lane? No. They're going to pay for it. They're going to get it done because they're still going to make an enormous amount of money on these subdivisions. But the problem with it is when you've got individuals that are compromised in certain positions of power, they're going to make sure that stuff gets approved. They're going to make sure stuff happens that doesn't even basically support the community. It's ironic to me now because they've actually had to stop a lot of permitting as far as further permitting in central Florida right now where we're at because the septic system and the lift stations are so – basically overrun now they've got tons of subdivisions now that are stopped at plumbing stopped i mean they, they can't go any further because they're literally list stations in the water treatment systems are shot they're maxed out to capacity they've stretched them to every limit that they could there's a lift station right by my house on the edge of a subdivision and it's not probably every week two weeks they got somebody out there working on it for not too long ago they had put a giant generator out there giant lift station generator to try to keep it running because they had all these pump problems that were failing. They couldn't get parts for it. I mean, it was generators out there for months. Months this thing was out there for it. Hey, we got another 5,000 houses we're going to build over here. It'll be great for the community. Uh, please explain to me how that supports anything in the community, and it doesn't. And so what's crazy about it is this is what you're starting to see now, and this is why you got to try to be as involved as possible with a lot of this stuff. Also, to in other news, this is interesting. I saw this article. This is not getting very much media coverage because everybody's obsessed with talking about Israel and Palestine right now in the mainstream media to, to, to nauseam, quite frankly. You know, it's funny to me. I'm just going to bring this up. Just, just metal for a second. Isn't it crazy? Isn't it crazy that you have this massive border invasion that we've been having for years now down at the border? I mean, massive border invasion down there at the border that the regime we're watching right now refuses to even to talk about or address or defend whatsoever or give more funding, even a few billion dollars to support border control down there. But yet, as soon as a sandbox country in the Middle East that most people can't even put the finger on on a map without it being labeled, as soon as there's a conflict with that country, which, by the way, does not – it's not our problem at all. Everybody's trying to make it our problem. None of it's our problem. The United States is our problem right now and getting back to the way we should be on a biblical basis of a country. But isn't it ironic as soon as there's an issue over in a sandbox country, we've got aircraft carriers. We've got military being deployed over there. We're going to $100 billion for Ukraine and for Israel now is what they're asking for now on the Biden regime. I just saw it earlier now. Biden's asking Congress for $100 billion for Ukraine and Israel aid. But we can't even get raises for the Border Patrol agents that are literally working overtime trying to do the best they can and fight most sometimes getting gunfights down there with cartel at the southern border, and these guys can't even get a raise. They can't even get proper personnel support. They're using antiquated equipment. A lot of the vehicles they're using are breaking down, aren't properly maintained because of budget constraints. But yet, hey, no, man, another $100 billion. A lot, a lot of people fail to realize how much money $100 billion is. You know, it gets thrown around all the time. You hear this stuff, oh, the budget, a trillion-dollar budget, $950 billion for DOD and all this stuff. 
guys, they only do the border patrols like a twenty billion dollar budget every year. That's it. I mean, we got like five years of border patrol budget. We've already given Ukraine action more than that, like seven, eight years of border patrol budget. Okay, that's cool. What? Where we? <laughs> but yet, oh no, we need to go support another country in another part of the world that doesn't do anything. By the way, when is the last time any of those countries have done anything to support or back the United States or help out the United States citizens? I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll continue waiting. Like turn the Jeopardy music on. I'll wait. <laughs> the answer is zero. Nothing. And so the United States population, I think, has reached a point now where – and this is why they're pushing the propaganda so hard. A large portion of the population is getting completely and totally nauseated with this nonsense and the propaganda. And then back to what I was originally going to say in this article that has gotten very little coverage in mainstream media, there's an individual that now his name basically um, known as Ricky Vaughn now basically is sentenced to seven months. Um, Douglas Macri is his real name, also known as Vicky, Ricky Vaughn. He's got sentenced to seven months in jail for sharing memes that claim Democrats could vote for Hillary by text in 2016. But yeah, that back 2016, that election, seven months in jail now. He's convicted of a single count of conspiring others to interfere in the 2016 election. Literally, this man went on trial and has been in just not ever going litigation for basically memes and sentenced to seven months in jail on Wednesday because he allegedly tried to trick Hillary Clinton voters into staying home on election day in 2016. I kid you not. That's the level of just compromise that we see now in the Justice Department in a lot of these areas because George Soros pumps so much money into it. And again, with the community organizing, you, and you don't have to control everything in the community. You really just need to be able to control the mayor, the governor, and the DA, and a few other key individuals, and you can pretty much control everything. And that's what these guys have realized now. This guy's going to jail for seven months because he put out a stupid meme back in 2016. Now, what's crazy about this Another individual, Christina Wong, who was on the flip side of that, put out a big giant tweet. Uh, hey, Trump supporters, skip the poll lines at election 2016 and text your vote. Text votes are legit or vote tomorrow on Super Wednesday. And it got like 845,000 views. And she never even got investigated or went to jail or anything. It was a joke. Everybody found it to be a joke. And so this is where you're starting to see the area of just – Strange, strange things, I guess you could say, starting to enter in the United States now where you're finding people that essentially send out a meme that's a joke that are now going to jail for it. This is all going back to eroding and dissolving the First Amendment. That's really what it goes down to because at the basis of it, the real basis of the First Amendment that they want to dissolve when it all comes down to it is they don't want people to be able to talk about Christ freely. They don't want people to be able to talk about the Bible. They don't want people to be able to talk about morals and biblical ethics. That's the main basis. That's the core root that they're trying to suffocate. That's what it all comes down to with the First Amendment suppression that they're doing. They do not want anybody to be able to speak the truth about what's happening. And this is why it is so important to do the opposite, <laughs> to speak freely, to live freely, to proclaim what you believe and stand on your values. Because once you start reaching a point to where you literally can't say certain things and certain words are verboten, forbidden, not allowed to talk about them, not allowed to – Text about them, not allowed to meme about them. 
you reach a point where tyranny has finally grasped full hold of the country and the population of, of that of those individuals. And at that point, it's very, very difficult to come back to a level of freedom after you have that grip of tyranny really stranglehold when it comes to freedom of speech without a full-blown war. And that's, that's where the Revolutionary War came into place because that was one of the primary things, hence why it was the number one thing on the Bill of Rights that they ratified years later after the war was over. 1781, because they knew the ability to speak freely, the ability to talk about the Bible, the ability to talk about morals, the ability to talk about anything you want to talk about was a key principle and a key basis of freedom. Because once that goes away, everything else starts to erode after that. And that's why the Second Amendment came right after the First Amendment. Those were not just loosely placed amendments. They just started throwing around, well, I make this number two, make this number three, make this number four, see what sticks on the wall. No, they knew that if the First Amendment failed, the Second Amendment was there to back it up with the teeth, the real teeth, the weapons, the firepower, the cannon, the muskets, the ball and powder. That's what that was there to support and to defend if the First Amendment compromised or collapsed. That is why they're pushing so hard to come out with these unbelievably stupid laws and try to restrict stuff. And what's interesting about this is they are so bent on trying to prevent people from being able to defend themselves that they're making it so evident what their overall goals are. When you start having a governor of New Mexico come out and say – Law-abiding citizens are not allowed to open carry or concealed carry. We're essentially – we're muting the Second Amendment right now because of drug cartel gang violence and drive-by shootings. So law-abiding citizens aren't allowed to carry firearms anymore. You can't tell me you hate the Second Amendment any more than doing something like that, and you're trying to compromise the protection and safety and well-being of the citizens. I mean you, there was literally no justifiable reason anybody could have come up with something that stupid, and that's why I was so proud of all those patriots that got together the very next day and went down to the Capitol down there and walked around two, three hundred of them, M4 slung on them, Benelli shotgun slung on them, just walk around protesting, talking, having coffee, talking to one another. Law enforcement didn't say anything, didn't do anything, and guess what? There were no shootings. There were no drive-bys. There were no engagements. Why? Because you had people there that were law-abiding citizens exercising their Second Amendment right. I mean that would have been the absolute worst place to do a drive-by shooting. I mean you want to talk about somebody in the cartel car getting lit up. I mean that would have been interesting situation to see. But again, this is why there's certain points in time where you have to have a conviction and a basis where you go, no, I'm not going to go along with this. There's an individual, there's an old German uh, economist, former WEF global leader for tomorrow who turned into a whistleblower, Richard Werner. I was watching some of his information yesterday, and here's caution on the emerging technologies that essentially have come out now last year with the World Economic Forum. And he's been blowing the whistle on a lot of stuff now with the central bank digital currency. And what he's saying is he said very much so the CBDCs are going to be designed to be an implantable microchip under the skin. That's what they're going to do, and they want to give everybody essentially a basic universal income that's a digital currency. So every single month you're going to get a little bit of tokens added to your digital currency in your wallet that's implanted in your wrist. He said this is what the World Economic Forum is planning, not what they're theorizing, not what they're talking about, what they are planning. This is why the digital currency controlled by the central bank is such an important factor to them. And he said what they've done now is they've slowly over the years gotten people conditioned with the RFID technologies and the debit cards and the credit cards. That's why they have the chips now. 
It was never about the swipe. I always laughed when people talk, oh, it's about security and safety. I'm saying, you're telling me the, the visa swipe strip is just so antiquated and doesn't work and is so dangerous to use that now we've got to put a chip in a card because that's better. No, the RFID chip is actually much more compromising because you can go in with a scanner. If someone doesn't have an RFID blocking wallet, you can scan their wallet. You can pick up on these chips. He said the RFID technologies and the chips is used to get people used to no longer swiping and conditioning them to this contactless interaction where you just tap your card now. You know, there's a lot of places to do that. There's a lot of times you only have to put the chip card in. They'll tell you to tap it. I'm like, what, is, what, are, what are we doing here, guys? I mean, where, is, where are we going to go? That's what they're getting on. So essentially, you're going to just take the card out of your hand, and you're going to tap your wrist on it. And you want to make it that easy for transaction. You walk into the gas station. You grab a water or whatever you're grabbing. You walk over the counter. You tap your wrist on it. Bam. Pulls the money right out of your account. You walk out the door. And it's all about being safe and protected. That's the whole thing that they're telling everybody. And again, whenever you have any government body tell you they're doing it for your safety and protection, run the other way and get the rifles loaded. Because I'm telling you that is the last thing they're coming to do is protect you. <laughs> what do you think, Dad? Well, uh, you know, we learned a long time ago, you got to maintain, you know, proper defense. You've got to have, you know, cameras. You've got to have security fences. You've got to have pit bulls. You've got to have weapons. I mean, uh, the vast majority of crimes are over within a few minutes, a few seconds sometimes. And, you know, calling 911 after somebody shoots you and drives away, uh, you know, they may get you to the hospital on time. You may not bleed out, but chances are the person who shot you is going to be long gone before the cops get there. It may take 30, 40 minutes for a doggone response team to get to you. And so everybody needs to be prepared. And in Florida, you know, we've learned that we're prepared this mindset with hurricanes. I mean, you know, we have a one room here and you know, near my office here in the back of the house, that if the water gets too high, the water will come into the door and flood my office. So what I do at the beginning of hurricane season, we had that storm come in in September, I caulk the door. I mean, caulk, you know, two feet up all the way around the bottom, all the way up the other side, and it's still caulked. And it's kind of a pain because you can't get out that door anymore, but, I mean, it's just it is what it is. Now I'll probably have that taken off first of November when hurricane season's over with. There's no point in caulking it and then uncaulking it and recaulking it, but it's, that's the prepared mindset. You prepare because this water's come in here multiple times now. I know it'll do it, so why don't I just prep for it before it happens? That includes keeping your powder dry. That includes includes having caches of weapons in different places. That includes, you know, trying to keep, you know, your your finances secure, trying to keep them in different locations and all the rest of the stuff that we have to do now in the United States in order just to try to have some semblance of, you know, security and stability because they've done so much to everything, including the banking sector, which they own and which they completely control. And all of these things are just part of the group of people that are, you know, again, running the planet. Even Meat, meat Giant, Tyson Foods now has bought a huge stake in an insect protein company. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Tyson Foods announced that it invested in insect protein supplier Protex and plans to build a partnership in a U.S. production facility. The American Meat Packer said on Tuesday that it agreed to buy a stake in, in, in Donjen, Netherlands-based Protex BV to help fund this expansion. The company has also formed a joint venture to build and operate a U.S. facility that will produce bug-based meal and oil, which are typically used in fish feed and dog food. Financial terms of the deal weren't disclosed, Bloomberg reported. Now, if you go back in here, you try to find out who owns – and I'm, I'm just going to go out of the limb here to say this. Uh, I can pretty much guarantee that meat giant Tyson, the primary stakeholder is going to be either BlackRock, State Street, or Vanguard, which are all Rothschild companies. And they want to make sure when you're in your 200-square-foot apartment in your little cluster city and you're driving your Tesla or you're taking your bicycle that you can eat mealworms, and they'll make them look like a steak. They'll make them look like a burger. 
And you'll say, oh, my goodness, this is a great mealworm burger. And, And we won't do that because we know what real beef tastes like. But when the kids are raised on mealworm burgers, that's all they can eat or they starve to death. So pretty soon they start enjoying the mealworm burger. I can't believe people you see meat. That's so disgusting. Let me have a mealworm. Just unbelievable. And, you know, and think about it for a second. We know that insects can be grown very, very quickly. They have a very short lifespan. They grow very, very quickly. And they're going to be feeding it to us. I mean, what kind of – and, again, see, this is it. Remember I talked about this in yesterday's show. you got to hear yesterday's show again. And I talk about it in detail about how much these entities that run this planet just really dislike us and how they want to be little gods. But they think they're real gods and all the rest of it. They've got to have the power of life and death over us, and, they, and they've got to feed us worms. They've got to feed us – it's not because they have to. It's because they, 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 they get some sick pleasure out of it because look at them. Look how stupid these people are. They're eating worms. <laughs> That's how they act. It's just – God, just – oh. How about said something ugly just then? I can't say stuff like that on the air. If you know me personally, give me a call. I'll tell you about it and say, nah, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it all, so I'm going to temper myself. But let's put it this way. <laughs> why, 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 why don't we just take these people? Like, like yeah, like I don't say everything I believe anyhow, right? But no, I was going to say something ugly, ugly. But why don't we do this? Why don't we just move them all to Madagascar, and they can sodomize each other to death? There you go. And they're not going to reproduce anyhow because they don't reproduce because they sodomize each other bunch of guys, bunch of weirdos, bunch of perverts. And so, um, yeah, I almost said something really, really ugly, so I'm not going to do it. By the way, uh, it's interesting. Uh, is it worth fighting for? And this is an interesting article. It's, it's from uh, the Burning Platform, and it says the J.R.R. Tolkien wrote in his epic, epic book, The Lord of the Rings, during the darkest days of World War II in the midst of the last fourth turning crisis. As a young man, he had experienced the horror of the war in the Western Front during World War I, where all but one of his best friends were killed. In his novel documents, the never-ending battle between good and evil, and his quote was, I wish it need not have happened in my time, says Frodo. So do I, says Gondolf, and so do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that has been given to us. Wow. Now think about that. Aren't we all kind of in that same position right now? Why is this happening right now? Why did this happen to us? Why are we sitting here watching Israel bomb a Gaza hospital and blaming it back on the Palestinians and back on Hamas? I'm telling you, hospital. Okay, first of all, let's just stop for a second. I'm Hamas. I've got my mother and my dad and my uncles and my cousins and my children in a hospital and they've been wounded. So now I'm going to go ahead and launch a rocket into the hospital and kill all my family. How stupid do they think we are? Obviously, Israel did this. I mean, it's blatantly obvious that they did it. But we're, we're going to spin the narrative. Oh, it's not us. It's them. They did it to themselves. It's like, it's like you know, the, the people, you know, when the, when the whole thing was happening over there in Syria, you know, and they're saying, oh, he gassed, he gassed the people in his own city. No, he doesn't. They don't kill their own people. It says the same thing about Saddam Hussein with the weapons of mass destruction. He's gassing people everywhere. Else. No, it didn't. All lies. They do it because they get involved in doing this stuff, and they want to blame shift it back to the people that basically are trying to defend against the stuff, and it's just lies. You know, it's like, oh, we saw all these babies had their heads cut off in this hospital. No, they didn't. It's a lie, and then it was proven you know, within a week it was a lie. It's just lies, and that's the whole key here. It's like Austin said yesterday on the show, problem acts a solution. You set up a problem, they give us an action, they give us a solution. Oh, you got to kill Hamas. That's the solution. you got to wipe out Gaza. That's the only solution we have. No, it's not. 
Why don't you just stop shooting them for sport, realize that you invaded their territory back in the 40s, this land belongs to them, treat them like their cousins who they are because they're all Semites, and just chill out, relax, and stop being mean to each other, treating them like dirt. Oh, my gosh. But that's the Christian way, isn't it? That's the Christian way of doing things. So they don't want to do that. They want to make sure they can do the Abrahamic thing as much as they can. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You kill me, I kill you. You kill me, I kill your family. You kill my family, I kill all your family. You kill. It's ridiculous over there how they act. And I'm talking about Jews and Arabs, both of them, how they want to kill everybody all the time. It's just they get this vengeance stuff going on. It's ludicrous. And see, that's what we have to understand. Is that we're not part of that. We're not called to that. We're not, we're not like that. When we become a Christian and we're sanctified by the Most High God through a blood covenant with Christ Jesus, we're supposed to walk in love. We're not supposed to pray in precatory prayers. We're not supposed to be mean. The, the, the Christians in the first century did not conquer the Roman Empire within three to 400 years because they were trying to fight the Roman government and fight the Roman legions. They didn't do that. They loved them, and they kept talking about Jesus and his love, and they changed the entire world by talking about love and support and defending and being with each other and feeding each other and being good with each other. That's what we've got to do. That's why I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for the support of Health Masters. If you guys weren't here, we couldn't be here doing this every day. I couldn't be having to chop my little tongue off here pretty quick today. I almost said something really ugly, really ugly but I wasn't, going to be, I wasn't going to cuss. I wasn't going to cuss. I, didn't, I wasn't going to cuss. And I, 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 but I do say a bad word every once in a while. I, I do. I'm not going to put some halo over my head. But I was going to say something nasty. It wasn't, it wasn't nasty. It was just really, it was awful, but I'm not going to do that. So I'm trying my best to walk in love here too, reading these news stories. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to chill out on this one. and just kind of just let God deal with me and this with the Holy Spirit. I, I'm, 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 I'm rambling. I love you guys. Awesome. Finish it up and I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> You're on it today, man. <laughs> and you are right though. I mean, the, the behavior you see with some of these groups and what's crazy about it to me is I had somebody, Asked me yesterday, a customer came in. They were asking me about some of the stuff over there in the Middle East. And I was like, I really don't care. I said, it's not my problem. They're trying to make it my problem because everybody's got to get involved in everything over there. I said, but here's the crazy part about it is I said, we're back to the same narrative. I told them, I said, this is what happens every single time. We're back to the same narrative of one or two. There's only two doors to open. There's no other options. You can't think outside the box. You can't step outside the box. You can't question anything outside the box. You have to stay in the box and only go through two doors. You're either pro-Israel or you're pro-Hamas terrorist. That's it. That's literally the options they constantly use in every single media topic. You look at the verbiage. You look at the words. You look at the psychological standpoint of what they're doing. It's always that. You're pro-Israel or you're pro-Hamas terrorist. Well, I hate to bust everybody's bubble, but there's not two and a half million Hamas terrorists in Palestine. Just newsflash. I'm not supportive of either one of those countries. I'll be honest with you. I don't care. I'm supportive of the United States of America and bringing us back to biblical culture and protecting our children, protecting us at home. Like I told you guys the other day, it's kind of disturbing to me how you've got families and Christians, and I've watched this over the last couple weeks, Christians that – are sitting there ranting on social media. It's sitting in front of the television, ranting about pro this and pro that, pro war, and all big and bent, commenting and sitting on Facebook and getting these giant Facebook fights online about pro Israel everything. And they're not even bothering to look back and be pro their own family, pro my own children. While they're so busy about what's going on in the Middle East in a country that they can't even pinpoint without a map as far as it's not labeled. Their children are being exposed to some of the most perverted doctrine that we've ever witnessed in this time in history. 
our children are being told that they need to go on puberty blockers and they need to go on cross-sex hormones so they can change their gender, which is a bold-faced lie from the pit of hell. The very own children that are your blood, that are your sweat, that are your life, that you're protecting, that you're growing, a lot of these parents aren't even concerned about them. They're too concerned about arguing about what country needs to be fighting another sandbox war across the entire globe. Think about that for a second, guys. The hypocrisy of that. Is that really what we're called to do as Christians? Really? Neglect our family? Neglect what's happening to our children? Turn a blind eye because we're so focused on what's going on in another stupid country, in another area of the world that you don't even live? Just thought I would throw that out there because I, quite frankly, I'm sick of hearing about it. I'm sick of everybody being so concerned about something and not even concerned about their own family, their own city, their own community, their own country, while everything burns so again, my friends, stand up for what you believe. Get involved locally. Get involved with the community. Get involved with the schools. Protect your children at any and all costs and continue to support raising little Americans and encourage your friends and family to do the same. Continue to stay strong. Continue to exercise. Breathe fresh air. Get some cardio in because you never know when you got to move on a dime, you got to run around. Never really know. So be prepared for anything, my friends. I appreciate the support. Healthmasters.com. If you need anything at all, you know where to get a hold of us. 1-800-726-1834. The inacetyl cysteine. As I said before, one of the most effective formulas we have at detoxifying the body. Very simple, yet very effective. On sale for over 10% off right now. Product of the week. Be sure to check it out. Healthmasters.com. Y'all have a blessed, safe, awesome evening, my friends. Stay strong. I'll talk to you again tomorrow as always. Broadcasting to the U.S. and around the world by way of clear digital audio, 22,500 miles above the planet. This is the Global Star Radio Network. <laughs> 